have, that if we know Jesus died on the cross for our sins, if we know that He rose from the grave to give us a new life, if we know that He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and He's going to come again to judge the living and the dead and to establish a new heaven, new earth, and that we're going to reign with Him forever, that should give you some hope. That should give you some confidence in this world that the best is yet to come. We live in a pessimistic world, but, but we know this, and we've been talking about this, we've been going through Philippians for the past um, seven weeks. Today we're finishing. Next week we're going to start a new sermon series that we're calling You Belong Here. It's just a two-week sermon series. Pastor Tony's kicking it off by sharing how he came to belong to Christ and to belong to Christ Church. This is the church where he met Christ and share some of his story, and then I'll be finishing up just two weeks. But a, a fun way, I think, to kick off this new school year type frame in our lives of thinking about what it means to belong to Christ and His church, and I hope you'll be here for that. But this, today, we are finishing up our sermon series. We're in week eight of this sermon series. We've been talking about this kind of theme all the way through. Philippians 1, 8, 1, 6, Paul says, For I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it or fulfill it until the day of Christ Jesus. And Paul has confidence that God isn't going to start something in you and not finish it. God is not going to put his hand on your life and not bring you through to the end. Jesus isn't going to justify us and leave us just there. That Jesus is working through his Holy Spirit to sanctify us and one day will glorify us. And that brings us hope in this world. And today as we finish this sermon series, we're thinking about this, well, this truth that this abundant life that's out there is also something we can experience in our lives today. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So today we're going to kind of close this series by going from thinking about that end time hope, that eschatological hope, to the hope that we have that God is not finished with us right here, right now, that God wants us to take a step in our faith, that Christ has more for us today, and that this abundant life that God promises us is a gift that we can receive. The, the abundant life that God offers us isn't something we have to earn or deserve in this world. It's a, it's a gift that we receive. You know, we live in a world that, where pessimism kind of rules. Have you noticed that? Uh, we live in a world where cynicism kind of rules. Um, it's understandable. It's uh, the pandemic we've been through, political strife we've been through, racial strife in our country we've been through. It, there's a lot of reasons for us to be pessimistic. For me, just being a Washington football fan is enough, you know. I grew up as a Redskin fan. Now I'm just trying to get used to the new name. But this, this is the most hopeful time of year for me, but I'm just preparing myself for disappointment. It, <laughs> I've been through it, you know. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's so typical in our world that we think the best is in the past, but if you are a Washington football team fan, it'd be hard not to believe that. It's true for the Nationals as well, right? We're in last place in the whole uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, three years ago, we were winning the World Series. And, and the Nationals from three years ago, they're still playing great. You just got to watch the Dodgers or the Padres or the Mets to see them uh, because we just, there's nobody left, right? We got Patrick Corbin. Okay, Patrick. 
Now, I like Patrick Corbin, but I mean, what happened to our team? And a lot of us feel that way in life in general, right? What happened to the life I knew? What happened to the school I knew? What happened to the community I knew? What happened to the church I knew? Why is everything? And so we live in this world where it just feels like things are not getting better, but we know as believers that our best is yet to come, and it's a gift that we receive. It's not something we earn, not something we do. Tom Brady can't earn or achieve the, the abundant life, right? We, we've been reading some of that in the past couple of weeks in the tabloids and newspaper. He, he, he is the greatest of all time, but he can't earn an abundant life, right? Elon Musk can't buy an abundant life. He said he was going to buy Twitter, and then he didn't want it. Two weeks ago, he said he was going to buy Manchester United, then he said it was a joke. But we know he can't buy abundant life, right? Jeff Bezos can buy the Washington Post and the largest house in D.C., but he can't buy abundant life because abundant life is a gift we receive. That's what we're going to learn about today in this last passage that Paul is writing his his beloved church in Philippi, how they can receive this gift. What we're talking about is the secret to abundant life. In this very last passage of Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells this church he loves, I found the secret to life. I found it. I want to tell you about it. I want to tell you how you can experience it. And this is good news. There's three parts in this sermon. The first is its source is Christ and not stuff. The secret to abundant life, you got, the world teaches us that, this, that, the, that the, the ingredient to the life that you want is the house down the street, or the ingredient to the house you want is the car that your neighbor has, or the ingredient to the, to the life that you want is, is this degree from this prestigious university, or it's this promotion at work, that if you get that, if you earn that, If you make it there, then you'll have an abundant life. And Paul says, no, I found the secret. It's not stuff. It's not these achievements. It's not what I do. It's something I receive. It's a gift. It's grace. That the life that you and I are looking for is never something that we achieve. It's always something that we receive from Christ. Let me read it for you. Philippians 4, 10 through 14. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, Paul says, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret. See that? I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affection and my affliction. Paul's wrapping up this letter. He loves this church. This was a church that he planted like 10 years previous. He, he loves the, 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 the Philippians. He led them to the Lord this church has had a a special relationship with him, and he's going to talk about that special relationship. One of the reasons he wrote this letter to them, he's under house arrest in Rome, by the way. One of the reasons he wrote this letter to them is to thank them for a financial gift that they sent him while he was under house arrest in Rome. And, uh, And he's got that kind of relationship with them where he sees himself as their spiritual father who's led them 
to the Lord who's watched them and, and was part of God's plan to birth them into the spiritual life. And they're like these partners who've just invested in him and his ministry. And, and so he says to them, I rejoice greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Like, I, I'm so thankful that you, for what you guys did for me, he's talking about this financial gift that they sent to him, and they sent a member of their church named Epaphroditus who came to take care of him while he was under house arrest. He's like, it, it's, it's awesome that you, you had this opportunity, that you took this opportunity to revive your concern for me. And then he goes, well, not really, I don't mean that you weren't concerned for me, because you were concerned for me before, but you weren't able to show that concern for me. Paul was un, imprisoned in Caesarea for two years. He was arrested and almost killed in Jerusalem. And, and Paul was like, I, you couldn't show your concern for me then, but now you've sent Epaphroditus a thousand miles with this financial gift because Paul's under house arrest. The, this is how they thought we're going to take care of Paul. We'll send someone there who can buy food for him and interact for him in the city, who can help take care of him while he's under house arrest, who will send financial need support so that, so that we can take care of Paul. We love him. And Paul's like, man, I appreciate it. But Paul goes on to say, while I appreciate it, I don't need it. And in fact, as he closes this letter, he, he almost begs them, don't send any more money and don't send anybody else. I'm sending Epaphroditus back. I don't need him. I'm good, but I, I so appreciate your, your care for me. And then he tells us why he doesn't need more money or Epaphroditus, and he, and he tells us, see, in verse 12, he says, I know how to get along in humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. This is the apostle, right? He's going to give us the secret to the life that you and I want. He's going to give us the secret to this abundant life he's been talking about, this confidence that we have that God who started good work in us is going to bring it to completion. What is the secret to living the life that you and I long for? What, what, what do we need to do to experience this life that God created us for, right? What is it? And, and Paul, just shockingly, he says in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret to the life that we want isn't abundance in this world. It isn't being satisfied and filled in this world. He says, whether I have abundance in this world or want, whether I'm satisfied or I'm hungry, either way I've learned I can live a truly abundant life, a, a fulfilled life, this fulfilling life that God has for us. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. See, the, the life that we're looking for is, is a gift that we receive. It's grace that we receive. Well, it's, it's so countercultural because in our world, we're constantly taught that the life that you want is something you achieve. You do it by going to that school and getting that degree and getting that job and putting in 30 years and doing this and doing that. If you do this, I mean, I've taught my kids this, you know, I'm saying, if you, if you want to have a good life, you got to do this, you know. I've been teaching my kids this since they were little. 
But Paul says that's not, that's not the answer. The answer to the life you want is right here. It's Christ who gives us strength. The abundant life that we're looking for, this is the secret. The abundant life we're looking for isn't something we do, it's something we achieve. I want to try a little experiment this morning, if you'll let me, just to see if I'm right on this in my interpretation. I want to test my theory a little bit. I want you to think for a moment about those moments in life when you felt like you were really living. Those moments in your life when you felt like this is life. This is what I made for. It doesn't get any better than this. Maybe moments from your childhood when you look back and you think, man, that was, all, that was awesome. Or moments when you were a young adult or a college student when you thought, this is what it's all about. You know? Or moments in your life as you've been growing. Think about those, those moments, those times, those seasons, those places in your life where you felt like that's what, if I could have this for my, the rest of my life, this is what it would be, right? This is life. This is what I was made for. You have those, think about those moments in your mind for a moment. And then I want you to think about, were those moments of material abundance in your life or less? Were those moments when you were financially the best off or less financially best off? Because when I think about the moments in my life when I felt like I was really living, there's like no correlation to my financial state, right? There's no correlation to the size of house I was living in. There, there's no correlation to, to what I had in my bank account. Not at all. I, I think about my childhood and uh, my best memories, some of my best memories of my childhood were in the summer I would go to uh, my grandparents' house. They lived in a farm outside Troy, Ohio. And when I was real little, my cousins, I had four cousins on that side of the family, my cousins... Um, lived uh, next door to my grandparents. So my cousins would come over, and we would play hide-and-go-seek in the barn, and we'd run around the farm. And it was just so much fun, you know? I mean, to me, that was like one of the highlights of my childhood. I'd come home as an elementary school kid. I grew up in North Arlington, and, and in class, the first day of class in September, the teacher would go around and have us share what we did this summer, you know? This kid just went on a safari in Africa, right? <laughs> this kid spent the summer in Europe with his family. Todd, what'd you do? I went to my grandparents' farm in Ohio. Really, what'd you do there? Uh, we played in the barn, you know? And I thought, like, that is living feel sorry for all these kids that had to go to Europe for the summer, you know? <laughs> they, they, they couldn't go hang out with their... But to me, that was, that, was, that was like abundant life, you know? I think about when Margaret and I were first married. We got married and we went off to seminary in Kentucky, and we lived in uh, student housing part of the time. We lived in this little uh, apartment house that was connected to a fellowship hall of a church I was serving part of the time. But we had zero money. I was trying to pay my way through seminary, working these three different part-time jobs. But I have such fond memories of like the small groups I was in and the friends we had. It, it's really like a highlight of our life. We had nothing materially. Like, like, we, like if we went out and shared a calzone for dinner on a date night, that would break our budget for the month. Like nothing. But it just felt like abundance to me. What are those moments in your life that feel like that's living, that that's what I was made for, that's what it's all about. See, my, my, my hypothesis is, is that it has very little to do 
with the material possessions, the, the, the house that you live in, the, the degrees that you have, the esteem that you have at work, the titles you have behind your name. Not that any of that's bad. I'm not running any of that down. I think it's great to, to live in a, in a house that feels comfortable for you and you can entertain people. I think it's great to achieve things at work. I think it's good to invest your resources and have money to take care of your family and money to share and to do God's work with. I'm not down on any of that stuff. What I'm down on is the idea that this is going to give us the life we're looking for. Paul says it's not. He's living under house arrest, and he's like, I found the secret. I've figured it out. I know what it's all about. I've learned what, what life is. It's right here. It's in, it's in, think about your, your, your real life. None of us earned or bought this life, right? Like, I didn't pay my parents to conceive me, right? Like, I didn't make myself worthy of my mom giving birth to me. Our lives are a gift from God. God just gave us our lives. If you don't believe in God, then your parents just gave you a life. If you don't believe in your parents, then biology gave you a life. But somehow, you didn't do it. You and I didn't make this life, this life right here. And yet, we think that we're going to make the abundant life that God has for us, or that we're going to make the best life that God has for us, or we're going to make the best life we can. No, it's a gift. God who gave us life gives us the life that you were created for. You know, Warren Buffett, I heard him interviewed some years ago, and he was asked uh, about his lifestyle, basically. And he said, you know, I've just realized I, I, I liked the same things I liked when I was a kid working in my dad's shop in Omaha. He said, McDonald's hamburgers and chocolate shakes and cherry Coke. It's the same, same things I liked when I was a kid. I, I've tried different things, but I, and I don't know if that's just kind of his brand or his shtick. I know that Berkshire Hathaway owns like 10% of Coke, so he probably threw that in there. But, but I just think that there's some truth to life. There's some just being realistic about life that when you've tried different things, you realize that, that the stuff isn't the things that make it work. They're not the things that make it fulfilling, right? That, that what, what the secret is, is something different from that. Um, Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, he says, beware and be on guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Warren Buffett's worth $100 billion. He could do anything he wants in the world. And he's like, what I really like is McDonald's hamburger, cherry Coke, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not again, not promoting that, that. But what I'm promoting is the idea that I think all of us who've had, like Paul, some abundance and some want, some satisfaction in our belly and some one in our belly, all of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, could come to the conclusion, I don't know if it was any better when I had this than when I had that. But what is better, and Paul gets us to that, is when I receive this life, this grace from God. So that leads to Roman number two. Roman number one in, in the secret to abundant life is that its source is Christ and not stuff. Roman number two, the second part of this secret to abundant life, is that it's built on giving 
and receiving. It's built on giving and receiving. Or you can flip those around if you want. Receiving and giving. Verse 15 through 17. You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. That's where I got that from. The matter of giving and receiving. But you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. In verse 12, Paul told us, told them, the source of this, the secret of this life that we're looking for. It's Christ and not stuff. And here Paul reminds the Philippians that they've been practicing this since the beginning. In other words, he's just reminding them, look, I told you, it's about Christ and receiving life from Christ and not about the stuff that we do. And then he's reminding them, you guys have been doing this since the beginning, right? Paul went to Philippi in about 50 AD on his second missionary journey. This was the first place he landed in Europe after he crossed from Asia Minor, Asia, across the Aegean Sea. He came, he preached the gospel. Lydia welcomed in her home, started this church. Things were going great. Remember, they didn't stay great, though. That's, that's typical for Paul's missionary practice. But he, he started this church. Things were going great. He's traveling around with Silas, if you remember the story. And there was an enslaved girl who was following him around. She had this spirit of divination. And she just kept saying, hey, this is the one who serves the Most High God. And it, it just kept going on for days. Paul was so annoyed, he, he cast this demon out of this enslaved girl. And her masters, her enslavers, were enraged because they used to make a ton of money off of this demonic possession she had. She would divine people's secrets in life. And, and so they were so upset, they had the courts arrest Paul and put him in prison. He ended up converting the jailer and his whole family. But when he got out of jail, the, the leaders of the town said, hey, you need to leave. So Paul left Philippi, if you remember, and he went to the next town over, which was the town of Thessalonica. So we have a little picture here. So this is like all of this is Macedonia, you know, and he, he went to Philippi first. He went from Troas across to Philippi, and then he left Philippi. He went to Thessalonica. All right. Paul says, now, when I came into Philippi, even when I left Philippi and went to Thessalonica, you guys, you Philipp, Philippian church, the Philippians, you all sent a gift, right? It says, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. It's like if I was being sent down to Woodbridge and you, and you guys came down to help me, to support me. It's like I'm just in Woodbridge, you know. He's just, he's just in the next town over, but already this church at the very beginning is buying into this idea that they want to support Paul. They want to support the preaching of the gospel. They want to support the ministry that he's about. And Paul's like, you guys got it from the beginning, right? You received grace as I came and announced grace. I freely preached the gospel. You received the gospel. You received the grace of God. And then immediately you wanted to begin to share, sacrificing your own finances, to share in what I was doing to preach the gospel. And then Paul says, again, 
Paul is saying, I, I don't want you to send any more money. This is not my like fundraising campaign to get more money out of you. He says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself. Stop sending money. I'm fine, Paul says. But what I seek is for your profit. That word profit is karpos in Greek. It's, it really means fruit, for your fruit. But it's fruit like produce. Like if I plant a, a, a field, the field produces produce. And, and, and Paul's saying, what, I, what, I, what I'm excited about is you're investing in the kingdom, you're investing in the work of the gospel, and you're going to receive produce. The word profit kind of makes it feel like, you know, a Cadillac in every driveway, right? If you give enough. Now, I'm not, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher yet. I'm not yet. But, but Paul's not talking about that kind of profit. He's talking about, he's talking about this life, this life that you receive by faith, now you're sharing it with others, and I'm excited about it because as you share it with others, as you invest in this message, as you invest in this gospel, guess what's going to happen? You're going to receive more from God. That, there's a, that this kind of abundant life that we're talking about is all built around giving and receiving and giving and receiving, and it starts with receiving, but it doesn't end with receiving. It's receiving grace, it's sharing grace, it's receiving grace, it's sharing grace. Paul says, this is the essence of the secret that I've discovered. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this work of ministry because Christ strengthens me. Because I receive from Christ, I can give. And then when I give, I receive more from Christ, and then I can give. And that's the life for every one of us who's a follower of Jesus. It's a life of receiving grace and giving grace, receiving God and giving God, receiving the gospel and sharing the gospel. And Paul's like, you guys got it. I mean, you don't even need me to write this letter because you guys had it in the very beginning. Right after I left Philippi, I was only with you for a few months. Right after I left, you guys were doing this and you're still doing this. I want, I want to try a second experiment with you. So I want you to think for a moment about the people you know who seem most fulfilled in life? Is there somebody that you know, not, not somebody you know on Instagram, but somebody you actually know well, not, not somebody who's working on a brand, right? But somebody who you know well. Think about somebody in your family or somebody that you've done life with who just lives the kind of life that you're like, I wish I had that life. Not because of their house or something, but, but they just live fulfilled. You, you thinking about that person? You know that person? Now, ask yourself this question. Is that person a generous person or is that person a tight, stingy person? Because in my mind, every person I think about when I ask myself that question, they're all among the most generous people I know. Some of them have a lot of wealth. Some of them have almost no wealth, but they have an attitude of sharing, and it's infectious. When I experience that from them, I want to share with them. And when I experience that with them, I want to share it with other people, and I want to expand the circle. And, and when, when I do it, they, they're like, oh, you didn't need to do that. And then they want to share with me. There's this giving and receiving, right? We kind of know this, you know. We kind of know this in life that, you know, if somebody does something nice to you, it's nice to do something back to them. It makes you want to do something nice to them. It's just, it's just kind of how relationships work. Paul's saying this is, this is the secret to life. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with the divine realm. It's the same way in the spiritual, that when we receive from Christ, we got to give. 
And when we give, we're going to receive more. Again, not talking about the Cadillac, not down on Cadillacs, anybody drives a Cadillac, not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the giving and receiving, the, the produce, the spiritual life that, that, that we receive, this abundant life that we've been talking about. And then Roman numeral three, the third part to the secret to the life that you want. Philippians 4, 18 through 20. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied. Again, he's telling these people, do not send any more money or people. In fact, I'm sending Epaphrodites back. I can't use him. Having received from Epaphrodites what you have sent, and then he says, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. The abundant life that we're talking about, it's a gift that we receive from Christ. It's Christ who strengthens us. It's not something we do. It's his strength that does it for us. It's built on giving and receiving. And the third thing you need to see is that it's an act of worship to God. God, when, God when we live this kind of life, God smiles. I don't often say that type of word, but, but here Paul says it's well-pleasing to God. It's an acceptable sacrifice. It's a fragrant aroma. And when Paul uses the word fragrant aroma, those words are like a direct borrowing from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when you would bring your ram and offer it before God as a sacrifice on the altar, and they would burn it as, a, as an act of worship. The Old Testament would call that a soothing aroma or a fragrant aroma. I'll give you an example. Exodus 29, 18, it's, it's many places in the Old Testament. Exodus 29, 18 says, you shall offer up in smoke the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma. See, the same word, they just changed it in the, in the translation of the Greek. And offering by fire to the Lord. And so Paul now says that your gift to me, again, he says, I've, I've got plenty, do not send any more. But what I'm excited about is that your gift to me or to my ministry or to the ministry of the gospel, that that gift, it pleased God. It was like a sacrifice that you offered to God. It wasn't like I was just writing a check to my friend. It was, a, it was an act of worship to God. It's well-pleasing to God. It's like a fragrant aroma to God. And he uses that term. Now, what Paul's saying is that God doesn't want your, your ram. You know, God doesn't want a burnt sacrifice. What's God going to do with a burnt sacrifice? Like, God needs us to burn animals before him. But what God wants is that heart of worship. And same way with this financial gift. Paul, Paul himself says, I don't even need it. Little, little does God need your financial sacrifice. But what God needs is that heart of worship. It's like, it's like the, the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, you know, and God's just blessed this shepherd, and they're producing, and they're staying healthy, and they're doing well, and the shepherd thinks, man, I, I got I to give back to God, and he takes that choice ram, the, the one without any blemish, the, the best one from his flock, and he takes it to the priest at the tabernacle or the temple, and he offers it before God, the priest does, and they just burn it up. 
but it's a heart to give, to receive, to give, to receive, to, to live out this life of grace. And Paul's saying, it's the same thing with your gift to me. Again, I don't, Paul, Paul is saying, I'm sending Epaphroditus back. Do not send him back to me. We don't need him. We, we don't, we've got plenty here. We're fine. But that, that desire to give and to share, that's a desire that pleases God. That shows a heart of worship to God. Now, for the past eight weeks, we've been talking about this sermon series, The Best is Yet to Come. In this sermon series, you know, we've kind of been thinking about this eschatological hope, this end-time hope. One day Jesus is going to come again, and we know God's going to, Jesus is going to create a new heaven, new earth. We're going to reign with him forever. How can you not live hopefully when you know that? But here at the very end of this book, the end of this scroll, as Paul is dictating it to Timothy, and Timothy is writing it out, Paul's reminding the Philippians and reminding us that we can live this kind of life right now. Not to its complete fullness, obviously. It's not the new heaven, new earth. Not everybody out there is in on this. But we can, we can live this out right now. This life of grace, this redemptive life, this life of, of receiving from God and sharing with God. This, this can be the way that we live right now. In the church, with our neighbors, with our friends, this kind of an attitude of share, of, get, of receiving and giving. And, and that's what I think Jesus means when he talks about this abundant life. It's not an abundance of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with having a lot of stuff or little stuff. Paul says, I've, got, I've had both. I'm good with either one because I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ's strength. His grace is sufficient. That this is where real life is. That's my hope as we finish this sermon series. That's my prayer as we finish this sermon series. That we would be those types of people in this world, like Paul, like the Philippians. That in the midst of a world that oftentimes seems opposed to Christ, sometimes even opposed to us, there's a lot of difficult circumstances in our lives today, we can be these types of people who live hopefully, optimistically, not, not in an ignorant way, but knowing that the best is yet to come and that we can live in this right now. That's my prayer. And I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you invite us to a new life. You invite us to receive a new birth to be born into something eternal and to be born into something abundant. And right now, Lord, we say yes. We open up our, our hands as we open up our hearts and we say, God, fill us with your presence. Jesus, we want your new life. Lord God, we're thankful for this gospel. And we pray, Lord, that as you get a hold of our lives and as you Give us this life that, Lord, you might use our lives to share this gospel with the world around us, that this world may experience you and your kingdom and your grace through us, your church. Lord, teach us the secret. At work, at home in our family, in our marriages, with those disappointments with our health, with those difficulties that we face financially. 
whether today we feel like we're living in abundance or we're feeling like we're living in want, whether today we feel satisfied or we feel hungry, teach us today that secret of living this life that you have for us. I can do all things through Christ's strength. Lord, strengthen us, empower us, especially those of us that are doubting right now, those of us that are are cynical to the point that we think, I've heard this before, it doesn't make any difference. Lord, give us that life, that hope, that promise, that strength that we need to be who you create us to be in our relationships in this world so that this world may know your kingdom through us, may experience your grace through us. May we be your representatives in this world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I give myself away Give myself away So you can use me Give myself away Give myself away So you can use me Give myself away Give myself away So you can use me Give myself away So you can use me here.
Our lives are not our own. We have been given the greatest gift we could possibly imagine. And the beautiful thing about it is, in this world, so often we take a scarcity mindset that, that what I've been given, I've got to make sure I don't give away too much of it. But actually, in God's kingdom, we need to take on that abundant mindset that we can share what God has given us because there's plenty to go around. And so I want to encourage us as we prepare to be God's people in God's world to receive that gift that God is offering to us, to share it to those that we come across in our everyday uh, environment this week, wherever God leads us, and that we can do so with that joy and that peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus. And so if you would like prayer, uh, you can meet me actually uh, right there under the cross uh, if you need to pray or if you want to pray with Pastor Todd, he'll be up front as well. Also, if you're brand new to Christ Church, I'd love to meet you. Uh, again, I'll be right under the cross. I can tell you a little bit about Christ Church um, and the impact that it's had on my life. Um, and uh, I'd love to meet you and just answer any questions that you have. So God bless you, church family. And until next time, what are we going to do? Love God, love others, and live out the gospel life. God bless you. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You stay the same. You stay the
shine like the stars. Take a breath where you stand. I'm forever here to hold your hand.
Look up at the birds that are singing songs that make me 